We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You shouldn't go to Barnes & Noble and buy 10,000 books just so you can build a book fortress and yell out, I am your book leader. You shouldn't buy 147 copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys, and serve them at Thanksgiving as Terbukens. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries, causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could. Because at the Barnes & Noble Book Hall, you can get over a 1,000 titles for 50% off. Stock up at your local Barnes & Noble. Terbukens are fictitious and should not be cooked at home. Welcome to the November 6th, 2017 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz podcast. Brought to you by my bookie, the official sports book of Rotoviz Radio. I'm Anthony Amico. You can find me on Twitter at Amixta. And my co host is Blair Andrews. You can follow at Am I the Real Blair. Blair, how's it going? It's going all right. Uh, kind of a mixed week. You know, my season long teams are doing well, and my DFS teams are doing terribly. So. <laughs> Kind of how it goes sometimes. Yeah, it was a pretty crazy week. We had, like, I don't know, I, I feel like between the stuff that we'll talk about in the show and then just, like, the last hour before, like, the 1 o'clock games today it was just really, really insane. Um, but joining us today on the show to help us break it all down is Connor Allen. He's a contributor for Roto World and Sharp Football. Uh, he's the creator of Fantasy Football Matrix. You can find him on Twitter at Connor Allen NFL. Connor, thanks for coming on, man. How was everything? Everything's going well. It's just like you guys said, it's been kind of a weird week and uh, kind of similar to Blair. Actually, my DFS isn't going so hot, but all my season leagues are looking pretty good. So uh, just kind of a week-to-week thing here now. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, there there was really a lot that happened this week. And we'll start with probably the biggest news of the entire week. Deshaun Watson suffered a torn ACL in practice, although I did read today it was believed that he maybe suffered that injury in the Seattle game last week, but regardless, his season is over. Uh, Connor, we got a chance to see Tom Savage today. It wasn't great. Uh, what do you make of the offense going forward in Houston, and how do you value the weapons? 
So you're right, you know, Savage is pretty awful, but I thought, you know, there were some things to note, you know, trying to stay on an optimistic uh, note there, I guess. And DeAndre Hopkins had 16 targets, which was 36% of Savage's 44 attempts. So I guess that's semi-encouraging as like a high-volume option there. But on the other hand, it also seems that the Will Fuller dream is probably over and retaining his uh, high efficiency of touchdowns to catches probably won't continue with Savage there. But overall, in the offense, I'm definitely down on. I guess Hopkins is more of just a volume-driven guy at this point. Yeah, I thought that was probably predictable to see Hopkins get targeted so much. We kind of saw this with Savage when he came in at the end of last year. He kind of had a singular focus on Hopkins. Uh, so the volume is there, of course, which is nice to see, but it's just the efficiency is not going to be. And I guess we always kind of expected these guys, Hopkins and Fuller, maybe especially to regress sometime in the season. Uh, it's just happening a little bit faster now. Um, although uh, Fuller, he had eight targets, so that is that uh, season high for him? That actually might be somewhat encouraging. You know, he might be able to make up for some of the lost efficiency if he's going to keep getting more targets. So, um, <laughs> mostly, mostly, I think it's a negative for the offense. But like you said, there are some some reasons to be hopeful. Yeah, I, mean, I think when you consider the injuries that they've had on defense as well, it's not like this is a team that's going to be playing with a lot of leads. So, I do think that there is a decent shot for. Houston to, you know, or Savage in particular to keep up this kind of volume. So, you know, if he's averaging 35 or 40 attempts, then yeah, maybe you still do still get like the six to eight fuller targets and the 10 to 15 Hopkins targets and you kind of just make it up in the aggregate. Yeah, the other encouraging thing I'll note is Dante Foreman had one carry more than Lamar Miller. So I don't know if that's a trend, but that's something I've been waiting for all season. Uh, let's get to item number two. Prior to the trade deadline, Jay Ajayi was moved to the Eagles for a fourth-round draft pick. Uh, today, he had 77 yards and a touchdown on eight carries. So, simply put, where do you like him among the running backs in the league going forward? And do you like any current Dolphins running back to emerge? So, I would say that Ajayi, I think after this week, or after his bye, you know, he has a really favorable schedule, and he's getting a huge upgrade in offensive line. I mean, he only had... I mean, eight carries today, and he busted a long one. And you already knew that Ajayi was kind of just a home run hitter of a running back. So, I mean, the, up, the offensive line upgrade is huge for him, going from PFF's 30th ranked to the 7th ranked uh, in run blocking grade. So that's really good for him. And then with the schedule coming up, you know, I like him kind of as a fringe running back one, if he can kind of take uh, control of the lead job there. And I know that, you know, the front office has talked about saying that he's not going to be the lead back yet or Garrett Blunt still has the job, but I'm not really buying into that in the long run for the rest of the season here. It was pretty cool to see Ajay on the limited work. He busted that big touchdown run. I, I don't really believe that they could seriously go to guys like Corey Clement and like Garrett Blunt over Jai, I mean, he gave up a fourth-round pick for him. It's not like a Jai is someone that you expect to have long-term. He is towards the end of his rookie contract. He does have the knee issues. So I feel like this is kind of a move that they're making for this year. And if that's the case, uh, and especially considering he's an obvious upgrade over those players, like it just it makes sense to me that he would receive a lot of work. I know that in the past, Doug Peterson has not really 
focused on one running back. He's been more of a committee uh, type coach, but I feel like a lot of that has to do with having guys like Sproles and Smallwood and like all these guys who really aren't meant to be full-time backs. I think having a guy like Ajayi allows them to center a lot of the workload on one guy. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think, you know, Doug Peterson is a Andy Reid disciple, so he maybe would like to have that kind of central, that main running back, uh, sort of the Kareem Hunt role. So I don't know if Ajayi can operate in that role. He hasn't done a lot of pass catching in his career so far, but he did have 50 catches in his junior season at Boise State. So I think there's some, uh, that's encouraging. I think the upside here is probably pretty nice if he can end up getting that kind of role in Philadelphia, especially with a a really good offense behind a good offensive line. Um, I think it's an upgrade both for the Eagles and Ajayi, so I really like this move. Um, We'll kind of have to see tonight what happens with the Dolphins, though. (laughs) Uh, I have no idea how to how to handicap this situation. Any any ideas on on the Dolphins? I kind of like Kenyon Drake, but that's there's really not much to back that to be honest. It's kind of just I say he's an explosive player and I've I you know, I've seen him play a few times and I kinda of liked him coming out of college. You know, I didn't really think he could be a workhorse, but I thought he could get in some good like change of pace work and uh could, you know, be almost like Chris Thompson kind of, except a little bit more but I mean, they just have this weird affinity for Damian Williams, and it's kind of, I don't really know how to explain that. But So I think they're probably going to split work, and that's how it's probably going to go till the end of the season, in my opinion. Yeah, committee just seems like the most likely approach. I, I do kind of like Damian Williams. I don't know, I, I kind of feel like Team Rotoviz has been on Damian Williams for a really long time, so seeing him do something would really be nice. I mean, Kenyon Drake is... A nice player, but I think ultimately a good player. He was never a workhorse. Dean Williams in college was a workhorse, so I feel like there is maybe some potential here uh, for him to kind of win out and get the lion's share of the touches, but I don't really think that that'll happen. I, I think most likely you'll see some form of a split. Yeah, I would probably like Damian Williams to end up getting most of the work, but I don't don't trust the coaching staff here to to do what I want, so there you go. Holiday cash, you need it, and I know where to get it. My bookie is the place to score serious cash in your sports predictions. Believe it or not, the holidays are just around the corner, and while that means plenty of parties, gifts, and spending, it also means there's lots of football, basketball, and hockey games that you can score big on every day. Man up and play like the pros on game day. You can play the money line, side, or total. My bookie is your hookup for all your betting needs and offers super fast payouts when you win. When, uh, where you bet is just as important as wh- who you're betting on. And if you want to make money betting the games, then you got to go to mybookie.ag. They're the only site I would recommend. But you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out for yourself. Uh, they have odds on every matchup and a mobile site that makes wagering on your smartphone a breeze. Join now, and mybookie will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. Just use promo code ROTOREPORT to activate this special offer. That's promo code ROTOREPORT. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid, mybookie.ag. Now let's get into no shit, shit, no. First item this week, Richard Matthews finished the day with four catches for 70 yards and a touchdown on seven targets in the Titans' Week 9 win over the Ravens. Uh, I think this is kind of a no shit. This seems to be Matthews' line pretty much the whole season. It's just kind of been a few catches for maybe a few big gains and the touchdowns 
pretty optional there. He's kind of flirted with those numbers the whole season. I guess it was a little bit surprising to see it against the Ravens, who have stronger uh, defensive backs on the outside, but uh, he's pretty much the only reliable passing option at this point uh, until Corey Davis can get to full health and with Eric Decker kind of going into early retirement, it seems like. Alvin Kamara caught six of seven targets for 84 yards and a touchdown while rushing 10 times for 68 yards and a touchdown in Sunday's Week 9 win over Tampa Bay. This is another no shit for me, whereas Kamara continues to produce unlimited touches, and whenever I see him play, you just see insane balance. He breaks tons of tackles. Uh, he's, he's just a really good running back, and the Saints continue to give him just around 15, 16 touches, keeping him fresh. But uh, I would love to see what he can do with a few more touches, but Ingram's also done a really good job as well. But this seems to be Kamara's role at the moment. Ben Watson crowd seven of ten targets for 41 yards Sunday in the Ravens' Week 9 loss to the Titans. This is another uh, no shit for me because he's just has gotten a lot of targets and been able to do so little with them besides just catching them. So he kind of just sits in, you know, it's kind of the dump-off option there in the middle and catches catches the ball for a few yards at a time. It's kind of getting kind of getting standard for him. Jeremy Macklin secured eight of nine targets for 98 yards Sunday in the Ravens' Week 9 loss to the Titans. Shit, no. Uh, Jeremy Macklin is uh, washed. Alshon Jeffrey caught six of 11 targets for 84 yards and two touchdowns in the Eagles' Week 9 win over the Broncos. Shit, no. I can't believe this still happened. I was had gotten tons of questions about Alshon Jeffrey and playing him, and Akib Tlaib got burned. Wentz is, Wentz is for real, but I don't think you can expect this out of Jeffrey consistently going forward. I mean, he's done a better job the last few weeks, but he's incredibly inconsistent. I'm, I'm still, this is still one of the more shocking things of the week to me. Ted Ginn caught four of five targets for 59 yards and a touchdown in Sunday's Week 9 victory over the Buccaneers. No shit. Ted Ginn is now becoming efficient in an efficient offense, which makes sense. He still has the occasional drops like he has throughout his whole career, but he's been doing a lot better of a job with Drew Brees. And now with Willie Sneed being a non-factor, you know, he's playing playing a pretty big role in the offense, and I think that's going to continue throughout the season. Samarius Thomas caught 8 of 12 targets for 70 yards and a touchdown in the Broncos' Week 9 loss to the Eagles. No shit, I guess, but Demarius hasn't caught a touchdown in 16, <laughs> 16 games. But the, the volume's there, and it makes sense, but... He was due for a touchdown at some point. There was the play before. I think he got stopped at the one-yard line, and everyone was freaking out. But it was it was about time for him, and the volume was there. He had to get in the end zone eventually. Orleans Darqua rushed 16 times for 71 yards and caught two of two targets for eight yards in the Giants' Week 9 loss to the Rams. Shit, no. Orleans Darqua is fine, but the offense or the Giants' offense is not good, and... This isn't something that you can expect uh, going forward, in my opinion. T.Y. Hilton caught five of nine targets for 175 yards and two touchdowns in the Colts' Week 9 win over the Texans. No shit. T.Y. Hilton is good, and the Houston secondary was super disorganized, and they're really injured and really not that good this year. So seeing him with aggressive quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, I mean, he's this was a fairly predictable breakout game, in my opinion. Marquise Lee caught 8 of 12 targets for 75 yards and a touchdown in Week 9 against the Bengals. No shit. Marquise Lee is the volume option for uh, 
for the Jaguars. And Blake Bortles is actually looking competent with better game planning and actually being able to establish a run. So Marquise Lee is being able to do well as well uh, with uh, their improved efficiency. Julio Jones caught six of 12 targets for 118 yards in Falcons' week nine loss to the Panthers. This game actually surprised me because I thought the Falcons were going to do better, but I'm going to go with uh, no shit. Julio Jones is also is a very, very good player and has been kind of having a slower a slower year by some aspects. I think he went on saying that he's not concerned about his yards and all that, which, I mean, probably isn't true considering most wide receivers are very egomaniac, uh, egocentric players, but... You know, he got his yards this week, and it kind of made sense against the Panthers that he's torched before. Evan Ingram caught four of ten targets for 70 yards and a touchdown in the Giants' Week 9 loss to the Rams. No shit, he's one of the only players on the Giants that can catch the ball at the moment, so the ten targets isn't surprising at all. Uh, And when they had so much negative game script, it's, yeah, not surprising. Robert Woods caught four or five targets for 70 yards and two touchdowns in the Rams' Week 9 win over the Giants. No shit. Robert Woods is becoming one of, is one of their better options on their team, and Sean McVay has done an incredible job of play calling and scheming. Uh, Woods' long touchdown catch and run was um, pretty good. I mean, it, it just showed his, his ability as a player, and he's pretty much been involved in the offense every week, it seems like. Kareem Hunt rushed nine times for 37 yards in the Chiefs' Week 9 loss to the Cowboys, adding four receptions for 24 additional yards. Shit, no, Kareem Hunt will get back on track soon, but this was just not a good week for him, even against the Cowboys uh, Cowboys rushing D, which hasn't been too stellar. Um, he The usage wasn't there. I mean, nine carries and then four receptions just wasn't there for his usual uh, game. Adrian Peterson rushed 37 times for 159 yards and caught two of four targets for eight yards in the Cardinals' Week 9 win over the 49ers. No shit that he was able to run for over 100 yards on 37 carries against the 49ers. and But this is it. This is his last game doing something like that for me. Ezekiel Elliott rushed 27 times for 93 yards and a touchdown in the Cowboys' Week 9 win over the Chiefs. No shit. The, Zeke, or the Chiefs' rushing defense is one of the worst in the league. And I think it could have even been, could have even been more, but... Yeah, 93 yards and touchdown seemed to make plenty of sense for Zeke. Terrence Williams caught all nine of his targets for 141 yards. Shit, no. Terrence Williams is efficient, but not this efficient. Larry Fitzgerald hauled in five of nine targets for 70 yards in the Cardinals' Week 9 win over the 49ers. No shit. Larry Fitz has, I mean, been a pretty consistently uh, mediocre option, I guess, with Stanton at quarterback, and this was seemed to be on his higher range of outcomes with Stanton there, sub touchdowns. But I mean, still, it just seems to be pretty uh, predictable there. Fantasy football fans, listen up! If you love fantasy football, then you need to try my new favorite app, Draft. Here's how it works: you do a draft that lasts for just one week, and there's no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Drafts start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now. And the best part, play for cold hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. No salary caps. Play in a real live snake draft, just like you would play with your friends in a season-long league. 
Come and join me on Draft today. Download the app at any time. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes. Or play right from your computer on PlayDraft.com, whatever you want. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code RVRADIO. That's right, play a real money game for free just for using the promo code RVRADIO on your first deposit on draft. Search draft in the app store or go to PlayDraft.com and come play free with promo code RVRADIO. Now let's get into a couple more regular news items to wrap the show up. Uh, item number three, this happened obviously earlier in the week, but the Panthers traded Kelvin Benjamin to the Buffalo Bills prior to the trade deadline. Benjamin was inactive this week for Buffalo. They played on Thursday Night Football. Uh, obviously, just not enough time to get into the playbook. But, Connor, do you think that he can be the go-to target that this offense desperately needs? And will anyone rise to a new level in Carolina now that he's gone? I'm not really all that confident that he becomes the go-to target for this for the Bills offense just simply because of the way Tyrod Taylor plays and things that he thrived doing. I'm kind of disappointed that they got rid of Sammy Watkins because when he was healthy, this two seemed to click with um, Tyrod's, you know, gunning style and was able to throw good deep balls. You know, I, Benjamin just doesn't really seem like a great fit there. I think he'll be able to be targeted, you know, like six-ish times a game, but I don't think that he's exactly what they need there. And then as far as Carolina, this is – this is Devin Funchess' time to shine, as well as Curtis Samuel's time to step up. But, I mean, both of them should should do that predictably. Funchess had a nice game today, nothing special, but he did, did step up, and I think he could have some bigger games in the future. Yeah, I agree. I'm not really all that bullish about uh, Benjamin's fit in this offense. I mean, he's going to a team that threw, throws the ball even less than Carolina did, and... He's also a guy who I think he's pretty consistently near the bottom uh, in terms of yards of separation gained, one of these next-gen stats the NFL tracks. Um, so, you know, that maybe works for Cam, who probably throws into coverage a little bit more than Tyrod Taylor does. But, yeah, I don't think this is a great fit for uh, for Buffalo or for Benjamin. So yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um in terms of Carolina, I would also agree. You know, Funches obviously had a good game. Curtis Samuel got five targets, which was really encouraging. This was actually kind of a weird game anyway. I think Newton only attempted 24 passes. So uh, maybe in a more, you know, more up-tempo game where he's throwing more, we could even see more from Samuel, which would be uh, really intriguing. Yeah, I really like what this does for Samuel. And if nothing else, I think that it at least means a lot that they made this move to get him more touches. They gave him some work on the ground as well. So I'm hoping that they start using him in that, you know, Percy Harvin, Randall Cobb kind of role because I do think that he is best suited for that, and I think that he is extremely talented. So I'm pretty excited for that. But uh, on the Buffalo side, I guess I'm going to stand alone on this one. Like, I I think that this is going to be good. Like, I, I definitely am not usually a fan of the guys who trade teams midseason think that a lot of times those receivers don't work out, but I just don't think that Buffalo is going to be asking Benjamin to do anything complicated. I just think that he needs to be available. I mean, right now, Tyrod Taylor is throwing at guys like Deontay Thompson, and Jordan Matthews hasn't really been able to do anything, and Zay Jones has, you know, has picked it up in his last game, but overall has been pretty disappointing. Like I just think that they need a big target, especially in the red zone, 
and that Benjamin's going to be that guy. And, you know, maybe he doesn't end up being like a 25% of the targets kind of guy, but even if he's like 18% of the targets and he gets a lot of the red zone work, I think that's going to end up paying dividends. I'm not really sure that he was ever going to do anything big in Carolina anyway, just because I kind of thought Funches was playing better leading up to this trade and I was expecting that to continue. So I think that Benjamin's best chance for success is probably in Buffalo right now. And uh, I think that if nothing else, I think that he'll at least, you know, find the paint a little bit. I think that makes some sense that he could be a red zone target that the team needs. Uh, On the other hand, they are saying that Charles Clay might be back next week against the Saints. So it gets a little bit more crowded. Uh, I don't know how realistic that is. That's maybe the team kind of... Uh, painting a more optimistic picture than what is really going on but um, still I think it you know with Deontay Thompson kind of stepping up a bit more targets going to LaShawn McCoy Zay Jones finally looking like a an actual NFL football player um, you know it's a little crowded there I think with given the number of attempts that this you know the number of passing attempts that Buffalo uh, you know usually has on a per game basis All right, the final news item of the night. Jameis Winston started today's game against the Saints, but he was replaced at halftime for Ryan Fitzpatrick due to his ongoing shoulder issue. Uh, Connor, how worried are you about this going forward, and what does it mean for the Tampa Bay targets? I'm really worried about this going forward as far as the rest of the season. He's gotten injured and just been really inconsistent when he has played. So, I mean, it's not really useful for fantasy, and he's not really useful to the Bucks, and so I, I don't, I'm not really sure what the Bucks are going to do with him. There's got to be a strong consideration just bench him and let him heal until he actually is full strength because he obviously isn't, and so what that means with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and it's, it's pretty tough to rely on any of the pass catchers there. Uh, I mean, Mike Evans finished with, what was it, a 1 for 13 line today. I mean, that's not exactly what you're hoping for out of uh, – an elite number one wide receiver in the minds of many. So it for me, it's really hard to trust any of them and, and trust the offense as a whole, especially with how bad their defense is playing and everything. Yeah, I think that Fitzpatrick is at least manageable. Like, obviously today he didn't really do anything, but that Cardinals game he was able to be productive, at least from a fantasy perspective for the weapons. So at least it's not like a total wash. We could be in a situation like Houston is where those targets just get completely destroyed or – you know, like I definitely, I feel like it definitely could be worse. You know, but just the fact that we're having that conversation is definitely worrisome. Like, I, I don't, I, I feel like they should just sit Winston out for a couple weeks. I don't know why they haven't already just done that. Uh, you know, why? I, like they put him in the game today, and then all of a sudden he was out. Like I don't think that he, I didn't watch the entire game, but I didn't see him get like hit or anything that would have required him to come out. I think that he probably was just not ready to be in the game to begin with. So. A little better management here on Tampa Bay's part, I think, will go a long way. And, you know, hopefully we don't lose a ton from the guys like Deshaun and and Djax and, you know, those guys that we rely on. Yeah, I mean, this Tampa Bay offense was not playing real well uh, the past few games anyway. And a lot of that, I guess, could have been due to Winston's shoulder. Uh, I don't know, in Carolina there was a lot of wind, so that might have had something to do with it. So Ryan Fitzpatrick maybe is not as much of a a downgrade uh, from what's been going on recently. You know, they just haven't been able to move the ball at all. Um, I think one other takeaway, if you didn't know it already, is that this New Orleans defense is legit, which is a, 
a real surprise after so many seasons of just teams being able to throw all over them. Do you think the Tampa Bay defense is good? I'm saying New Orleans. Oh, New Orleans, sorry. Yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, <laughs> like, you think that that's legit, though? Like, you think in, uh, like, a playoff atmosphere, you think that that defense holds up? I think this so. I mean, fantasy related. I'm just curious. No, yeah. Uh, I mean, so they've been beatable on the ground, I guess, but I think we're seeing, you know, in today's NFL, a lot of the best defenses are just really good pass defenses, and they can live with giving up some rushing yards, and that's kind of the defense the Saints have built with a really good secondary and uh, kind of mediocre everywhere else but they make up for it by uh you know playing really really well against the pass yeah i think they were like uh 11th coming into this game and uh passing success rate allowed something that kind of surprised me but they were in like the low 20s for rushing success rate allowed so like you were saying you know they're letting up rushing yards but that could be okay if their pass defense continues to ascend like it has you know after the first few weeks of the season right i mean if you look at uh, football outsiders DVOA. I think all the top teams in terms of overall defensive DVOA are like Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, um, New Orleans is up there. There's another team that's really good against the pass. I can't remember now. Oh, Los Angeles, the Rams. Um, you know, all teams that are uh, excellent at defending the pass, but just kind of um, mediocre or even bad at defending the run. In the case of like Jacksonville, so it's just. Uh, yeah, maybe stopping the run is not not as important. Yeah, well, I mean, we all know that uh, you know, rushing is less efficient than passing, right? So maybe maybe like saying like, hey, like yeah, just run the ball against us, like that's even if it's effective, it's still probably helping you, right? Because eventually those those drives like I I, I think like the best way to encapsulate this is just like what happened today with Arizona, right? Like they could run the ball really really well in San Francisco, but they couldn't get into the end zone because Eventually, you just have a negative run or you have a gain of one. And when that happens, now all of a sudden you have to throw the ball. And if you can't throw the ball, then you don't get first downs and you can't get first downs and you can't score points. So, yeah, I think I'm buying that. And obviously, Lattimore, the addition of him, has been just completely game-changing for their defense. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Connor Allen. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, at ConnorAllenNFL. Get that 30% discount for subscribing to Rotoviz through the Rotoviz radio channel, rotoviz.com slash podcast. It also helps us if you rate and review the show. You can find us along with the rest of the Rotoviz shows under the Rotoviz radio feed. We also have our individual feed for just this show. You can search for Fantasy Football Report on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Subscribe and leave us a rating and review. For Blair Andrews, I'm Anthony Nico. Thanks for listening. listening to the Rotoviz Report, powered by Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed, and be sure to contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio, and remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop and as you lift that first forkful to your mouth you savor the moment 
could get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. You shouldn't go to Barnes and Noble and buy ten thousand books just so you can build a book fortress and yell out, "I am your book leader." You shouldn't buy one hundred forty-seven copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys, and serve them at Thanksgiving as turbukins. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries, causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could, because at the Barnes and Noble Book Hall, you can get over a thousand titles for fifty percent off. Stock up at your local Barnes and Noble. Turbukins are fictitious and should not be cooked at home. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary *The Kings*, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June sixth, only on Showtime. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day. You're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.